Good morning. What a blessing to be here a year later. Uh, if you recall, uh, a year ago when we, when we met here, for those of you that were here, I know that if you're visiting or you haven't been here with us, uh, we're glad that you're here now. Uh, but a year ago, we had our first day and it rained. We've had a lot of rain lately, though, haven't we? Yesterday, the sun came out. It was so nice to see. It was like a foreign object to us. But uh, it was uh, a year ago that we met, and it rained. And I remember when we took over this property, we took over the uh, property from the Village Church who moved over to Courthouse Road. If you know where um, Stonehenge is, they're right across from Stonehenge. And the Village Church, when I met with their pastors, they were like, we were talking about the modulars and having kids go to the bathroom because our bathrooms are in here and not the modulars. They go, it only rained like four times while we were here. Rained day one for us. <laughs> and we've had more than four times of rain on a Sunday too. I don't know if their memory was so good either, but nevertheless, uh, God's, uh, God's brought us here and uh, we are so thankful to, um, to celebrate today. Um, not only in the last year, you know, we, Randy had mentioned getting fuller in here. You need to be praying with us. God gives us wisdom. We, we meet uh, once a month as elders and you know, have a lot of touch points in between, but we met this past Thursday, and we're looking forward, and we've talked about when do we go to two services. I want your feedback. I want your collaboration. I want you to tell me I'm really tired of squeezing in or whatever else. Uh, but uh, we started the year, I think in the other church, we were averaging, when we moved over here, about 85 people, a son, 85 adults, and a lot of kids. Uh, in January, we were averaging 92 adults in here, and in August, September, which are considered, August is a slow month for churches in general, because most often people are finishing their last-minute vacations and all this stuff. In August, we were averaging 120 people, 92. If you know, if you know your math, that's well over 20% growth. So uh, we do have to consider, Lord, uh, as you bring people... Uh, I couldn't care less about church numbers. I do care about people getting saved and people being discipled. But as you invite people that want to be saved and be discipled, uh, then the family grows. Just like uh, we've got a couple of families in this church have six kids. They remember when they had one, right? And so when you grow, the needs grow. And so uh, we get a chance to uh, look at a topical message today that kind of addresses some of these things and really is an encouragement, I, I hope, to each and every one of you. Uh, one other thing about in our last year, so Randy mentioned uh, Ray, who is one of the original four people to attend this church. Originally, there was like four people, right, Ray? Four or six or something like that. Michael Birch was one. Uh, so they remember when it was a little tiny family. And uh, I wasn't even here then. Um, but uh, so Ray got remarried yesterday. As many of you know, his wife Paula had passed away, and he got remarried to Jin Yin from China, who's here with us. We're looking forward to having her as part of this family. But we had not had a wedding in the past year, and God fit one in on the last possible day before our one year, because it was yesterday afternoon. How about that? So, uh, and Ray asked me two weeks ago, what are you doing on October the 1st? I'm like, where is this going? Uh, usually when I get that question, I don't know what I'm about to say yes to. So, but it was a good thing. So we were, we were grateful of that. Um, but uh, before we get, oh, one other thing. So this Wednesday night, we get back into the Proverbs study. And the last part of chapter 6 and the first part of chapter 7 is about lust and adultery. If you think that lust and the breakdown of marriage and adultery is a big problem in the United States, I encourage you to come out to our Wednesday study. 
If you think that people struggling with pornography and all the things that you see are major problems, and even things like Time Magazine, the Wall Street Journal think it's a major problem, and if they think it's a major problem, it must be a major problem, uh, then we will uh, delve into what God has to say through his word about the protections against these things uh, because God wants to keep our marriages safe and strong. Amen? So we'll be uh, back in uh, Proverbs this Wednesday. We had a great time of prayer this past Wednesday. Uh, with that, before we get into the Word, why don't you stand as we pray for our country? We try and pray weekly for revival. I actually forgot last week, but Sam preached such a revival message it was covered, right? Uh, be praying for him. He was in the hospital this week. He was feeling so drained, and they can't, doctors can't figure out where this cough is coming from. Uh, he came here only in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I asked him when I get when he got off the plane, I said, what are you doing here? But you can't really stop him. The only way you can stop him is for God to slow him down. And so uh, he needs to get some rest. He's been traveling all over the world, and uh, we're very fortunate that he comes here. We're fortunate that, that he loves this fellowship. Uh, he really does. I mean, really, you know, he gets invited to way bigger churches than ours, but he really loves this little group, Richmond, and he sees big things for us. And uh, I think that God sees big things for us. Uh, not for us, for him, but just that God would use this uh, little army. He used 12 disciples, and they shook the world, right? So uh, it's really the spirit of things, and uh, I see God's spirit in Sam. And So pray for him. Uh, he, uh, his assistant sent out a message to a group of us pastors around the world to be praying for him, that he is restrengthened. I believe he will be, but he, he really needs to take uh, two weeks and just do nothing, just be ministered to, just hang out with Miriam and his wife and just rest. So uh, pray for him. And uh, I was listening to the end of his message. I forgot how powerful it was. Go back and listen to it. It's on the website. It is just anointed. So if you didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, check it out. That's why we had over 10 people saved last week. God really anointed it. And so let's pray for our nation. Lord, we just bow before you. Uh, Lord, our nation has so much turmoil, so much strife, so much hatred, so much division. So much immorality, so much idolatry, and yet, Lord, you said that if we're willing, you would actually relieve us, comfort us, forgive us, and strengthen us. And Lord, in this room, may we be willing to lay down our lives because you already gave your life for us. Lord, may revival and repentance start in this room. We're going to take the Lord's Supper, Lord, the remembrance of your death and resurrection. I pray that it wouldn't just be a ritual today, but Lord, it would be our recommitting ourselves to you. Lord, let revival happen here, that as we go out, we go out filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we touch people that are still in darkness, that think that the pleasures and cares of this world will satisfy, and Lord, we know that they don't. So Lord, we pray that you would send revival to the churches of America, to the pulpits of America, that your people would be on our knees, that you would save our marriages from falling away the way we see happening around us, Lord, that you would bring fathers back to Wives, you would bring kids back to a place of surrender and obedience in the home. Lord, you would uh, end the rebellion and the just, uh, just constant rejection and ignoring of you that we see from the highest of our leaders to just our neighborhoods and the communities and the people we work with. Lord, we pray that you'd bring a revival such as has been seen in the past. Lord, you would do it again. We need a great awakening in this nation. We know that our leaders are not the answer. We know that the King of Kings and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. So, Lord, this is what uh, we ask for, and may it begin with us. May we believe it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, 
They're already in countries, Lord, that hate you and hate them. We pray that you would miraculously deliver them. As you did Peter and Paul, Jeremiah and others, Lord, we pray that you would set them free. Heal them and strengthen them. We love them, and we know you love them far more than we do. And forgive us when we forget or are too busy with other things to even be praying for them. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20, one verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, there is a greater context, but we don't have the time to read all that. But we do want to just read this one verse. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Be glad to put one in your hand. It should be set and ready for Acts 20. But um, if your Bibles are open, Acts chapter 20, it's right after the Gospels. Written by Luke, just like Luke. We'll start uh, with verse 24. Well, it's, it's the only verse, so we'll start and finish with verse 24. Acts chapter 20, read with me. You don't have to read out loud. That Sam likes to do that. I may end up doing that. I, I, do, I do get good tips from him, so we might do some of that one of these days. But I'll read verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray again. Lord, we ask loud that your spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, that even the message that I'll share, Lord, I preach it to myself first and foremost, and to these your people, Lord, speak by your spirit. Lord, cast out anything in this room that would hinder us any doubts, any fears, anything, Lord, that would hinder us from hearing from you, any sin, Lord, we pray that it would be dealt with by your Spirit. We ask these things in your name. Amen. I, as I mentioned, I'm so grateful that we get to gather here, having completed one year in this location. And we've seen an amazing work of God, but it hasn't been easy. Uh, it's been rewarding. Most things that are Rewarding aren't easy, but it's been rewarding. It's been a blessing. But at times, I can speak personally, and I'm sure I can speak for many of you, it's been exhausting this last year. I know it's not a calendar year, but from the time we moved in the first Sunday in October to this first Sunday in October, at times it's been exhausting. At times it's been head-scratching. Ever had any of those moments this year? Head-scratching. And knee-bending in prayer. Even if you can't bend your knees physically, just that position in your spirit that you're, Lord, I, I'm before you needing your help. It's kind of like um, what we've seen with this church. It's kind of like going from no kids to having twins. That stretches you, doesn't it? I've never had twins, so I'm just speaking for people that what they have said. But I have gone from no kids to three daughters, and that stretched us. Didn't happen overnight, though, but uh, if you go from zero to two... Uh, and we've seen these kind of things, and they have stretched us. But in the context of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, many of you, uh, you didn't, when you came and you lended a hand, you didn't count your abilities, you didn't count your resources, or your free time near and dear to yourself. And we were able to get the doors open back in October 2015. We had a six-week project schedule that uh, even Sam, when he had visited a month before, he goes, I don't know, what in the world are you all thinking? How could you even do it? And many of you, you're still pouring out as you serve in various areas of this fellowship, and you help us minister to men, women, and kids week 
after week after week after week. And you've not been moved or overwhelmed by the increase in workload that we've seen, and we have seen an increase in workload. Well, at least you've not been overwhelmed outwardly. You've hit it well if you have been. Collectively, we, we've held it together, if you will. Some of you have gone out of your comfort zone uh, to invite your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers to church. And it is outside your comfort zone to do that. been doing it for years, and it still is outside my comfort zone. Some of you took on new ministry areas, new responsibilities, and yet you're now serving in new, new ways. Some of you, we found out you had musical ability. Some of you found, no, we didn't find out you didn't. But uh, some of you, we found out, had musical ability, and you've added new gifts and new talent and help to the worship team. Some of you started in 2016 giving back to the Lord and the work of the gospel of the finances God's given you. Some of you uh, did some fixer-upper work here, uh, some projects and improvements that include things like carpentry, landscaping, flooring, electrical, AV, and software. That's one they wouldn't say in the 50s, software, right? You know, but uh, we do now. Some of you have cut the grass, six-plus acres of it on the riding mower. I hope that was fun. I have not ridden on the mower yet. I hope that was at least a good time. Some of you have organized and reorganized and reorganized some more parts of the church, and we still need more organization. Some of you have shown a love for hospitality. Some of you have shown a love or at least a like for parking cars. Some of you have cooked, cleaned, served food, set up, broke down, set up, broken down, set up, broken down again, all in the same week. Some of you are now helping our ever-growing children's ministry, which, by the way, is not just people having kids. It's more families bringing kids. And therefore, you're now getting the best Sunday naps you've ever gotten. Some of you now attend a discipleship area, such as a Friday night home fellowship, a men's study, or a women's study, or the youth group study. Some of you have now taught a study and shared a word of encouragement for the first time in 2016. Some of you shared from the pulpit for the first time in 2016. Some of you took the step to being baptized, which is the first step of obedience after being saved. Some of you came to Christ. In fact, a number of you, more than any other year, have come to Christ in the first 10 months, and we're still rejoicing with you. Some of you are, for the first time in your life, reading the Word daily and in prayer in your personal walk with the Lord. That's a big step. Some of you went through tough personal trials like job losses, health issues, a death in the family, or some area of fear, anxiety, stress, depression, right? Some of you went through this. Some of you may be going through it right now. Some of you finally forgave someone, even though it probably was very hard to do. Some of you went by faith on our Guatemala missions trip, even though you had no idea how you'd pay for it, and we didn't either. Some of you went to Bonaire for the first time as a visitor. Some of you now are part of that team and part of the team that's reaching these teens in such a heavy and dark environment. Now, I could go on, but collectively, we've made strides. We've won some significant battles. We've lost some battles too, haven't we? You ever had some bad days this year where you look back and say, God, why did you save me? I'm such a failure. 
We've lost some battles. But on the whole, we've made progress in this race we're all running. But we're not done yet, are we? In Hebrews 12.1, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let's run it with endurance. Like Paul, we all have an individual race to run. But our personal race is a joint race. We have a personal race, but our personal race is actually part of a larger race. If you watch any of the uh, Rio Olympics, anyone watch the Olympics in Rio back in August? seems like 10 years ago, but it was only like six weeks ago. That's how time flies, right? See, if you watch some of the Olympics in Rio, uh, you may have seen one of the relay races. I like the relay races. I like when America wins the relay races too, which we did really well. But Jamaica keeps beating our men, but that's... Listen, Jamaica, I'm sure you're proud of that, too. But the collective success, the collective success of the relay team requires each person on that team to give their absolute best in training, in preparing, and practicing, and then they have to run well in their portion of the race. They each have a hand on the baton, don't they? Each one of them will hold that baton at different points in the race. By God's grace, this church, this fellowship, we've run pretty well. We've had some slight stumbles. We've had some scrapes on the knees at times. Thankfully, in practice sessions more than not. We've had some imperfect strides, but we've advanced forward. But like the Olympics, we've so far, get this, We've only won an early heat. We've only won an early heat. We're not on the medal stand. That comes when where? Heaven. We've only won this early heat. But we have more heats to run in. Paul had won some heats as well. Don't you think Paul had won some heats as well by the time he wrote Acts? Well, he didn't write. Luke wrote Acts chapter 20. By the time he said what Luke wrote, Paul had already won some heats. He had won several heats, really tough heats against tough, tough competition called Satan himself. But his mind and heart was geared to still what? Go forward because he had more heats to run. In spite of the past success, in spite of the current obstacles and the obstacles ahead, he knew he was called to take the next steps forward in the ministry and in that race. This takes faith, brother and sister. This takes resolve. By the way, unlike the Olympics, understand, unlike the Olympic athletes that are running around the track in a relay, passing the baton, we don't just run in the race and just have to give our best. We run in that race while Satan's trying to put a stick out and trip us. That that would make the race really interesting, wouldn't it? But not as interesting when we're in the middle of that. And we have our own weaknesses to deal with in that race on top of it all. So what Paul is saying here, he says, none of these things move me. But he says, I'm going to finish this race with joy. What Paul is saying here is that there are many things that could move him, that could depress him, that could distract him, that could distress him or derail him from finishing the race. But because God has directed him, God has delegated responsibility to him, and God has, and this is the best part, declared to him His spirit is there to help him. 
He's not packing it in, nor is he bowing out, but he's pushing forward. He knew God was not finished and there was more to be done in himself and more to be done in others. Paul was, and we can be, determined and delighted to go forward. Now, this is, by the way, to be delighted and determined is just a choice by faith. Say, Lord, I'm determined and I'm delighted to go forward in you. And if you circle this word in your Bible, that he'd finish his race with joy. With joy. Yes, we can have joy and and perseverance, even in spite of fatigue, in spite of delays, in spite of disappointments. Now, I can relate to that. How about you? I'm sure you can. That's just life, the grind of life. The grind of life hits you personally. The grind of life hits us as families. The grind of life hits us as a church. There's a grind that the enemy tries to wear us down. Just, you need to take a year off. You need to take a lifetime off. Imagine how many times Paul wanted to give up and take off. But there are many things that can hinder us or attempt to hinder us from going forward and making any progress in our walk in the Lord and in our service to him. This is the case no matter how many steps we've already taken forward. doesn't matter how many steps we've taken forward. These things will still keep coming against us. Doesn't matter how many heats we've already won, doesn't matter how many victories we've seen. This is why Proverbs says in Proverbs 24:16, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Seven is sometimes a picture of repeating, although it's perfection, it's God's perfection, it's a number of completion, as Sam mentioned last, last week, but it also can be a perpetual thing. That we do fall and skid our knees individually, families, churches, but we keep, if we're righteous. In other words, Jesus is the one that keeps cleansing us. We keep getting back up and moving forward. When when we look back, we've made it by God's grace from October 2015 to today, but we still have three more months left in this calendar, three more months left in 2016. And a full year ahead of us is right around the corner, isn't it? I mean, many of you in your job, you're already planning for 2017. We already are planning for 2017. But we still have these three months left. Plus, we have to survive the election season. So uh, that, throw that in there. Just so easy these days, is it? But seriously, uh, by the way, in the middle of the election season, let's be some salt and light in the midst of all this insanity. Yeah. To be some salt and light, to be really representatives of Jesus Christ, to say, I'm not for Republicans or Democrats. I'm for people coming to know the Lord Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. But if you're taking notes this morning, you see on the screen, I've titled this uh, message, Go and Finish Strong. And I just want to take the next few minutes this morning to encourage us all, whether you're getting up off the ground this morning, whether you're running strong this morning, whether you're tired this morning, whether you're confident this morning, whether you're motivated or unmotivated this morning. By the way, God will speak to you in any of those conditions. And is here to speak to you in any of those conditions. And in any, any number of other conditions I didn't mention. If you know you've given your life to Jesus Christ, 
and you know you, he's placed you in this church family, or for that matter, just in the family of God, period. We have a race to run. We have some heats to move through. We have to pass the baton from one person to another. And we have a God who desires to take us individually and this church much farther than we think is possible. Do you believe that? Much farther than we think is possible. The scripture says that eye has not seen or ear heard what God has prepared. I have no clue what God wants to do. I do pray for revival. Last week I got some text after the message and we had like uh, 10 people say, I had a dream a few years ago that we would have a Sunday morning service where 20 people stood up and gave their lives to Christ. Now, I don't think that's the end. I think that's the beginning. That hasn't happened yet. So I got some text saying, this might have been that Sunday. No, this isn't that Sunday yet. Because it would have been 20. This was a good foreshadow, though. And the other one, I actually had the blessing of being involved. I remember because I was standing, I turned to Tuan and said, he says, it's about 20 people. So we're looking forward to God doing more. He wants to take us farther than we think we can go. And if you're taking notes, I want to look first if uh, I've got three things just briefly to look at. The first one here, I've titled Go Anyway. Go Anyway. You know, in Acts 20, verse 24, as Paul said, None of these things move me. I'm going to finish this race. In other words, I'm going to go forward, period. When God saved Paul, remember originally his name was Saul. When God saved uh, Paul, he told Paul that he would be going before kings and rulers and the Gentile people. God told him, this is exactly where you're going to end up. Now, he didn't tell him which kings. He didn't tell him which year. He didn't tell him which group of Gentiles. So he had an understanding of where he was headed, and so do we. We have an understanding of where we're headed, but we don't know the exact specifics of where we're headed. True? So we have this understanding. He didn't tell him all the exacts, but he knew he was going forward. In other words, God had a very specific plan set aside for Paul that Paul would need to go and fulfill. But Paul would have to go forward on a path, on a course that God had chosen. He'd have to go forward in spite of his own fears, we all have them, in spite of his own personal complacency at times, and we all have that too, don't we? Like Paul, if you look at this church here, we we've not only have to go, but we have to grow. Right now, we have a need today. We don't have the financial ability to do it. We have the need today for a part-time person. We've outgrown the needs of me being the only full-time person. That's just a, that's a reality of where we're at. We have a need for more, even though we have one of the best percentages of volunteers in a church body that you'll ever see, because so many of you, a high, such a high percentage of you serve in this church, we still need the percentage even higher because the needs just continue to grow. The children's ministry explodes, so we've got to go forward. We've got to grow a little bit more. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. When there's a little bit of growth across a large group of people, the relay team cuts seconds off the time. You ever notice that? Each runner in the race, you know, Jamaica smokes us and the men's because each one only runs a little bit faster than the other person. Isn't that amazing? The final results look like, man, I could have drove a truck between those two teams. That's what God does. That little bit of growth. 
you growing a little spiritually, you growing a little more boldly, you growing a little more in your walk. A few more people serving in that ministry, a few more serving over here, a few more that say, yes, I'm going to give financially to the Lord. He's blessed me. It all belongs to God anyway. All of these things, and we see that that relay team keeps getting refined. This is what God does. Sometimes after taking steps in obedience to the Lord, we get it in our mind that we're done or that we're at least done for a long time. I did something great for God, so this ought, to, this ought to count for at least 10 years. You think Moses thought that way? You think Elijah thought that way? I mean, they did it probably at times because their flesh just like us. But God would like slap it, snap out of it. You got work to be done. You still got 40 more years in the desert. What are you talking about? Right? Imagine Moses' job, waking up every year. We've got to grow, but yet we've got to keep going in this direction like a track. But there was a lot of growing still to be done. Joshua had to grow. He would someday take over the reins. But usually when we think it's time to sit back, God's telling us if we're listening that the next, the next steps are just as important, perhaps more so than the steps we just took, if we're listening. I love this Japanese proverb. It's not scripture. I don't know which Japanese sage came up with it, but it's very true. It says, when you have completed 95% of your journey, you're only halfway there. Almost like a Yogi Berra-ism, isn't it? <laughs> but it's true. Boy, the last steps are sometimes the most important, but they take the most resolve. Spiritually speaking, this is such a truth we see in our life that it doesn't matter if 95% said we're only halfway there. Paul, after years of growing and walking with the Lord, he had grown so much, and yet he says in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I, lay may hold, that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. When you think about the things that truly matter, think about the things that truly matter, not the new fall lineup of shows, not the iPhone 7 release, not the football game yesterday, not the one billion plus video views on YouTube of a certain music video, not an upcoming movie, not unlimited binge and data streaming from your mobile carrier, not the number of Facebook friends you have, not even your child's 4-0 start in Little League, not your education, not your title, not your position, not your salary, not your new hairstyle, not your new car, not your new hobby, when you think of the things that really matter, really matter. And by the way, why do I even mention that list of things? Because these are the things we are inundated with. I mean, non-stop bombarded with as Americans. They clutter our mind and they cloud our vision for what God is trying to say. This is actually important. They lull us to sleep, or they convince us that this is what life is all about. Meanwhile, God is calling us to serve him and to remember that Jesus is coming soon. What a difference. You know, Paul said that um, we don't even look at the things which are seen. We look at the things which are unseen. If all our mind on is the things we can see, we've got a major problem. We're not seeing things through God's eyes. His things are what truly matter. Pouring in, dads, dads, pouring into your wives and your kids the word of God, the truth of God's word. 
collectively, all of us helping people that are hurting. That's what the Bible says, is pure and undefiled religion. Being there for new converts and discipling them. We've got to grow a lot more in discipling people here, by the way. We've made strides, but we've got a long ways to go. We need to do a better job collectively as a church family and discipling people. Uh, sharing Jesus with unsaved souls, that's important. That's the most important thing, to go into all the world and make disciples. But we have to first present the gospel. Loving kids without parents and kids that have never even seen real love in their life, that's important. Filling gaps in ministry where servants are needed, that's important because it's not about the ministry. It's about the outflow of the Holy Spirit through a ministry. Jesus said in John chapter 4, lift up your eyes, the fields, they're ready. Did you know he said that? Disciples were like, what are you talking about? It's not not harvest season. We're going to get to harvest in just a few minutes. But Jesus said, the fields are already ready. In other words, he was saying to the disciples, what are you waiting for? The important work is there. It's out there in those fields. And he's saying, go and serve. Go. Go. He's like, well, I don't know every single thing I possibly need to know. Well, God will help you get there anyway. Amen? Trust me, when I just became a pastor, there was a lot more qualified people than me. There still are a lot more qualified people than me. God is not looking for your and my qualifications. If that was the case, nobody would get to serve him. Amen? He's saying, just go, and I'll take care of the other stuff. What is it that keeps us from going and doing what really matters? What, is, what are the things that keep us from going forward and the things that matter to God? Well, one, it's our feelings. Feelings aren't always bad, but they are not a true indicator. God's word is our direct, his word is a lamp unto our what? Feet. doesn't say our feelings are a lamp unto our feet. The world says that. Whatever makes you feel good. Well, that's a real problematic statement because if something makes someone else feel good makes someone else feel in pain, we've got a problem, don't we? Now, the word is the, is the lamp. Sometimes it's our feelings. Sometimes it's our self-centered nature. A lot of times it's our self-centered nature, right? Well, it doesn't offer me any satisfaction. You think the cross offered Jesus satisfaction? No. He was thinking of other people. There was no self-satisfaction there. That's why he said we we're supposed to take up our cross and follow him. And sometimes it's our fears, and those are legitimate, right? In a sense. In the presence of God, they melt away. But we do have real fears. We do have real anxieties. We do have real worries. And we need to bring those to God so he can deal with them, so we can plow through them. I love this quote from John Wayne. Some of you men probably like the old westerns. Maybe some of you ladies too. John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyway. There's a lot of that in the Christian life. There's a lot of that for this church. There's times I'm afraid, Lord, I'm afraid if you would do more than you've done. I really am at times. Lord, I don't know how we, where are we going to add another ball? By the way, I'm not even good at, I can do the two-ball juggle, but you give me a third, I'm in trouble. But we saddle up anyway. We have to go. By faith, we can trust in God that his path is the safest path, and it's worth it. And he'll help us do whatever he's called us to do. That goes for you individually. That goes for your family. That goes for us as church family. I love Exodus 17.9. Listen to what Moses says. And Moses said to Joshua, 
choose us some men, go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. End of speech. What a com- Moses said, here's the deal. Go get some men. You're all going to go fight Amalek. And I'm going to stand on top and pray with the staff. And we'll see what God does. It might be hard, and even hard to believe, but God has our back. Amen? But it's not because we're such good fighters or warriors. It's because someone is standing and praying. Turn with me real quick, and you're going to keep this place because I'm going to turn to it a couple times. Ezekiel chapter 47. Some of you might remember our Ezekiel study. This passage in Ezekiel so ministered to me, and it has been ministering to me for months, and I hope it ministers to you for months, and I think it's going to minister to me for years. I have a few life verses, several now. This is a passage that I pray about, or pray through a lot. Um, matter of fact, when I go on my prayer runs, I started running again this year. You guys have mentioned it. And uh, I didn't think I ever would because of my neck issues and stuff, but God somehow said, no, you're going to run again. And I have been, and, I, and I, when I run, I'll pray. And this is a passage I pray a lot. And um, I hope... It's an encouragement to you. Look at verse 3, Ezekiel 47. Now, it's speaking to the future state of what's going to happen in Israel when God sets up the millennium reign and the new temple is there. But it has some personal application for us. Starting in verse 3, it says, And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my ankles. We'll stop right there. We'll read the next two verses in just a minute. If you read forward, that's okay. We'll explain what I'm uh, just kind of expressing here this morning. So this passage, up to the ankles, the first thing, and it goes on to talk about the knees, the waist, and the head, and we'll talk about those. But the first thing is we've got to walk forward. What do you walk on? Your feet. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the gospel of peace. Jesus talked about, follow me. How do you do it? You walk. The New Testament talks a lot about our walk with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. Don't fulfill the flesh. So your ankles need to be strengthened. If you have broken ankles, messed up ankles, you need a miracle touch from God on your ankles. You need them strengthened so you can walk forward. So you have to ask God, first and foremost in your life, God, strengthen my ankles that I start to walk forward. Strengthen my ankles that I would walk forward. Strengthen my ankles that I can go and invite someone to church. Strengthen my ankles that I can go and serve in children's ministry. Strengthen my ankles that I can go and send that letter to an unsaved family member you've been telling me to do for months. And I still haven't done it. See, not all the walking is a physical. It's a spiritual ankle strengthening, if you will. Go. Go in faith. So the first is the ankles. Let's take a look at the neck. God wants us to go anyway. We need his ankles you need him to strengthen our ankles to go forward. The next, go and receive. Hold that place in Ezekiel 47. Go back and look at verses 4 and 5 with me. Verses 4. Verse 4. There's no plural there. Verse 4. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees, and he brought me 1,000, brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. So, what does this mean? Well, if we go forward in faith and our ankles are strengthened, 
We need something from God that makes our going forward impactful, powerful, and an outflow of the Holy Spirit. Our knees are a representation of prayer, and our waist is service. You know, when you bend down to pick up a heavy box, you bend down to grab something, you bend down with a hoe, and you're, uh, all the things that we see, the scriptural representations of kind of the agri- agrarian society that Jesus was in. So our waist and our knees, we need our knees calloused. They used to call James camel knees because he was on his knees so much in prayer. We need knees that are in prayer, and we need a waist that's strengthened for service. But we have to hear from God and receive something from God before we have something to give to other people. Amen? John Webster said, The church is properly a hearing church before it is a speaking church. We have to hear from God first. If I get in this pulpit and I have not heard from God and I just start babbling to you, you've received absolutely nothing. But if I give you what comes directly from the Word of God, you have received something from heaven. It's like manna. Not because that could be from anyone that preaches the Word. You could do the same thing. If you present what comes from God, we have to hear first and we have something to go for. We have to receive from the Lord before we have something to give. We cannot go out or forward without hearing from the Lord, and this only comes through prayer. We had a, we've dedicated the last Wednesday of every month is to prayer. Some of you are actually fasting on that day, and, and God will bless it. Some of you are fasting the whole day. Some of you are fasting a meal. Some of you fasted for the first time this year. Great. God will bless it in your life, I promise you. And he'll do miracles the more we say, Lord, we're depending on you. We're receiving through you. Last Wednesday month, pray and fast with us. Even if you can only fast one meal, even if you can only join us for the prayer meeting, or you can't join us for the prayer meeting, but you could fast and pray because you still have to work Wednesday night. That's okay. You can be with us in spirit. We have to hear from the Lord before we can go forward. And we have to ask him to help us in service, right? I know it ain't easy. Those people over there with the children right now, I, it's hard. I did, show, I did toddlers for two years one time. Nearly broke me. <laughs> I said, give me adults. Quick. No, it wasn't that bad. I don't think I did two years either. About a year and a half, something like that, if you combine Charlotte and here. But uh, great training ground. But I've realized I was not called to the children's ministry for a lifetime. But some of you can be called to it for a period of time, and God will strengthen your ways for that season. We cannot go forward in our own strength and expect us to remain faithful. In your Christian life, you cannot expect to remain faithful if you don't spend time with God in prayer and you don't ask for his help. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, zero. He doesn't exaggerate like we do. He means nothing. He calls us to go forward in obedience, but he doesn't tell us to go in our own strength and abilities. The world, it's like the armies of Pharaoh. It relies on itself. The world relies on itself. I have yet to hear our current president, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump say, we need to pray and ask for God's help. I haven't heard any of them say that. I haven't heard most members of Congress say it. I haven't heard the Supreme Court say it. I haven't heard a lot of people say it. When I hear a leader say, I do not have the answers, but God does, and we need to stop and pray, you'll know finally somebody's getting the picture. But I don't have to wait for them. I'm going to stand for God individually 
one-on-one, and so will you. And we need to hear from God, and we need to know that we can't do it in our own strength. We're not like the armies of Pharaoh. We cannot rule our own domain, which, by the way, the armies of Pharaoh found out they did not solve their own problems, did they? Moses relied on God. We have to rely on him for our strength and abilities. Christian, God calls us to service, and he calls us to victories that are only possible with him. I say that again. He calls us to service and victories that are only possible. There's no way I could serve as a pastor without God's help. I was in the business world for 15 years. It was way easier than pastoring. Way easier. I've talked to many other pastors that have come from past backgrounds. All of them say the same thing. It's so much. But you can't be a godly father. You can't be a godly mother. You can't be a godly grandparent, a godly single mom. You cannot do what God's called you to do in your own strength. These things are only possible with him. If you can do what you do without God's help, you're probably doing your own thing. Let me say that again. If you can do what you do in your own strength, you're probably doing your own thing. When we were up at the uh, men's retreat last week, Pastor Al preached a great message um, from 1 Kings chapter 19. And he read this verse, and it really, it, was, it really ministered to me. And I know it did to the other men, but I wanted to highlight it because uh, it came within our one year. It came a week before our one year. He, he read when Elijah, Elijah had had this great victory against the prophets of Baal. Great victory. You think, He's only going to go forward from here. Do you know he became incredibly fearful and ran? And when he ran, God met him anyway because he was a man of God and he, he had a heart for God. And the angel of the Lord came, back, came to him and touched him in, in verses 7 and 8, 1 Kings 19. And he woke up and God had put beside him a little fire with a little, these little cakes of bread and a glass of water. Who does that glass of water and bread remind you of? Who said he was the bread and the living water? The little fire was the holiness of God. It was the same fire that Moses saw in the burning bush. And what God was telling Elijah says, you need the fire of my spirit, you need the bread of life, and you need the living water. And he went for 40 days in the strength of that food. I don't know how many days God has left of us in this world, but we can go forward in the strength of his food. Amen? We have to receive it first. We have to receive it from him. Habakkuk 3.19 says, The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. You ever watch deer run through the woods? They don't trip. They amaze me. They get these little skinny legs, these heavy bodies, and they're running over rocks and holes that we all got ACL things, and we're you know, doing that number. They're just running through everything. That's why the psalmist said, how do these, or not Thomas, but Habakkuk, how do these deer's feet grab and just continue to, and you ever seen like the, the mountain goes go up a mountain? They don't fall. They sometimes will stand on almost, it's like a 90 degree. It's amazing. God is saying he will make us to be able to move forward with all of these pitfalls and obstacles and rough places and things that are not level ground and seems to be impossible. He says, and he will make me walk on my high hills. I underline that in my Bible, my high hills. Do you know my high hills are different than your high hills? 
It says, my high hills. You have your own high hills to climb. I have my own high hills to climb. But by the way, in the relay, we all climb the same hill. We're just coming up different parts, if you will. If you commit to the walk, he'll make you go forward. He says, he will make me walk on my high hills. If you and I commit to the walk, he'll make us go forward, even though our flesh never could go forward. Isn't that a great promise? God says, you commit to the ankle strength, I'll strengthen the ankles, I'll strengthen the knees, I'll strengthen the waist, and you will go forward as you receive from the Lord. As Paul mentioned, we'll go forward in joy. The last thing to take a look at this morning, we looked at go anyway, go receive, go harvest. And you might would say, go and harvest. Well, you can. But the word harvest means gather, right? Go gather. God has a harvest. He wants it together. Look back in Ezekiel 47 one last time. Look at verse 5. Verse 5, it says, And he measured 1,000. It was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Now there comes this, the water which was at the ankle level, strengthen the ankle, knees, waist. Now the water was overhead. It was a mighty torrent. This is a picture of the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Just the Holy Spirit rushing like a river that just touches everything, right? When the rivers flood, they touch everything. And they immerse everything. This church needs to be immersed by the river of the Holy Spirit. I need to be immersed by the Holy Spirit. You need to be immersed by the Holy Spirit. It's more powerful than just swimming in your own strength. We need an outpouring and an overflow And it will come if we're unmoved by the lies of the enemy and the lies of our own flesh, and we keep moving forward as Paul did. If we run the race with endurance, if we defy our fears and complacency by trusting in the words and the work and the will of Jesus, his words, his work, his will. Many times, brother and sister, I wouldn't say many, but there's plenty of times in the last 10 years where I have not felt like preaching. You ever felt like not going to work? You ever had days when you didn't feel like going to work? You probably didn't tell anybody, but actually, you probably told somebody. Tell your your spouse, man, I I don't feel like going today. Sunday was so nice. Monday, total fail, right? (laughs) But on times that I don't feel like preaching... I ask God to strengthen my ankles. Why? Because the first thing is you've got to put one. A long journey begins in one step. Right? One foot in front of the other. Lord, strengthen my ankles. But then as that water, the Spirit hits the ankles, now the knees. Lord, bring the water up to the knees. Oh, now I'm actually, hey, it's like getting coffee in you, right? Oh, now I'm feeling a little bit better. And it's in the waist. Hey, I'm up and loose. I can move around. I can actually go and do this thing. Now, Lord... Bring the waters what? The overflow. See, we need him to strengthen the ankles. We need him to strengthen our knees so that we can bend more. We need him to strengthen the waist that we can go and serve in ways that would otherwise uh, wrench our back. And we need him to pour out that overflow of the river of the Spirit on our head and on our neck. What does that mean? As it flows overhead and over our neck and our head, Well, that overflow anoints the spine, which gives us a stiffness 
and a resolve in this world. Amen? He strengthens the neck. He strengthens the mind, which is inside the head. The anointing that comes with the overflow, it strengthens the mind. It strengthens the eyes, our spiritual eyesight. It strengthens the ear that we listen and we hear God better. It strengthens the mouth that the tongue begins to be more pure. When Isaiah stood before the Lord, his tongue was given coals to be purified. This is what happens if we have the overflow of that water hitting the ankle, hitting the knees, hitting the waist, overhead. Brother and sister, God gives us this that we would do what? Go forward. I'll close with Isaiah 40, 31. You know it well, or many of you probably know it. I've come to think it's true, and I hope you do too. I don't care if you're a seasoned saint here, or you're, or you're young, single mom, single dad, newly married, been married for years, whatever it may be. Uh, we all have things that weigh us down, but listen to Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, Strength you used to have can come back. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, it says even the young, the youth will faint, but not those that wait on the Lord. See, the, the waters at the ankles, the knees, the waist, this is living water. Living water. This isn't like that Chesterfield Reservoir tap water. Living water. Powerful. We can go away refreshed. As we go forward, we can go away refreshed as we go against our fears and against the things that would be obstacles in our life. And we'll receive the power of God to soar above obstacles, soar above our flesh. No, we need that, right? To soar above attacks, they'll come. People will see in us and in this church miracles, and they'll see the goodness of of God, and they'll see a harvest that only God can bring about. Do you believe that? Jesus said the fields are ready. He said they're already ready. Let him strengthen your ankles, your knees, your waist, and your neck and head. Brother and sister, let's go forward in his grace. Let's finish this year strong in his spirit. He's far from finished with you. He's far from finished with me. He's far from finished with this little flock that he has assembled. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that you're not finished with us. We thank you that you offer this living water, that we can go forward in the same strength that Elijah did, that we can go 40 days, 80 days, 120 days into the future because you have given us a little bread, a little water, and the fire of your spirit that you've given us the strength for our ankles, knees, waist, and head. And Lord, we pray that as you overflow, Lord, you'd renew our minds as Romans talks about, refreshing and renewing us. Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done in the last year, and yet we know, Lord, we have other areas that need to yield. We have other opportunities to see you work miracles in our lives and the lives of others. And so, Lord, we are grateful for what you've done, and we humbly ask your help to transform us, to renew us, and to take us further, Lord, because you have a desire to use us for your glory in this city, in our families, and in this community. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.
Amen.